The Word of the Lord from James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our Gospel Proclamation comes from the Epistle of James and serves as the basis of our theme for the third Sunday in Advent, Going to Him and Loving Him. Take a deep breath. This is one of the primary ways counselors help us to handle conflict management. Especially when you have that one colleague, acquaintance, or family member that just puts you right over the edge as soon as they open their mouth. It may even be frequently derogatorily aimed at you. So when you struggle with this and seek counsel from someone that seems to have some expertise in relationship matters, they will tell you, keep calm Drive on, take a deep breath, and think carefully before you speak. Cooler heads prevail, they say. Words have consequences, we are reminded. Or as my father-in-law used to say, God rest his soul, load your brains before you shoot your mouth off. I have used this breathing technique myself in many situations. The call comes in. And someone is dying at the hospital. Somebody was offended and leaving the church, but won't talk to me first. Families come to my study for conflict management, and all I can see is brutal conflict. Another friend is going to die, and it's time to work on another funeral sermon. It's okay, Mark. Take a deep breath. Hold it. Hold it. Let it out slowly. It will all work out. Take another breath. Hold it. Hold it. Let it out slowly. Okay. We're okay. I'm okay. It's going to be okay. (laughs) It's not okay. And it never is. But at least you're calmer and better prepared to handle the stress that lays in front of you now. Now. Transfer that emotion you're feeling right now to the people of Jerusalem under persecution in our epistle lesson today. They have just been run out of Jerusalem for simply believing in Christ as their Lord and Savior, a crime punishable by stoning and possibly even crucifixion if their evangelism was troubling enough to the Romans as well. They fled to communities far from Jerusalem, but still in the Roman Empire, where they don't like you either. 
Good luck getting a job. Have fun feeding your family. Keep a low profile so the Pharisees don't find you and run you out of there as well. Oh, by the way, keep an eye out for the secret signs on the buildings and possibly just scrawled on the street, likely to be swept away by the next sandal or donkey hoof that trots over it. After all, it's the only way they will find the next gathering of God's elect, where they can join the devotion to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and praying with and for one another. This is the only rest they will have, and they don't want to miss this for anything. It's their refuge, their only hope in such fearful times, and today's devotion comes from James with the 21st century equivalent of taking a deep breath and thinking carefully about what you will do next. Be patient, James says, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. This third Sunday of Advent similarly asks you to be patient as well. Yes, the sanctuary is looking good. Now the Christmas are up. Now there are three candles lit on the Advent wreath, more than not all showing us how close and inevitable the arrival of our Lord is. In this, you are firmly and absolutely grounded in a world that is in total, utter chaos, culturally, politically, socially, and above all, spiritually. But you, my brothers and sisters, can remain firm because the advent of our God is indeed near, for he, Jesus, is coming soon. That is the sure promise that affirms us. If he left the temporal house of the Lord to our care, we should be found living there in word and sacrament when he comes to take us home to the new heavens and the new earth where he has already prepared our heavenly mansions to live in with him. The temptation now is to be impatient and maybe even take it out on one another. The temptation now for the people of God is cutting short tempers and directing our impatience on those we should be loving the most. After all, doesn't Advent and Christmas have that effect on us all? Just planning the extra meals and making time for the extra midweek services adds another level of stress to us that work that make that happen. Then don't mention the family that's showing up to visit to take a break from the 100-year snowstorms happening up north. You must put them somewhere in your already small home. You must feed them with the astonishing rise in food prices, let alone availability. And you must take time from your already busy schedule to spend time with them and hit Disney, the Springs, and the beach, or whatever else they want to do while they're here. Tempers are likely going to flare on the ones we love the most. James, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, reminds us to put the complaining, the groaning, and the grumbling against the agent that is responsible for your sinful stress at this time of the year that is supposed to be joyfully anticipating our Lord's arrival. Remember, it's our sin, the world. And sometimes even the devil himself that strikes when we are least prepared for it and tempts us to succumb to the emotion of anger that leads us the most quickly to sin. 
James encourages us to look to the prophets of old who suffered far worse at the hands of God's very own people. I was talking with Bert years ago, a Jacksonville City police officer, about the rising crime in that city. At the time, my boys were attending the Lutheran school in Jacksonville, so I was keenly aware of the crime report as we commuted that hour commute to make sure the boys had the best possible education. We lived out in Green Cove Springs, which was very docile at the time. We knew that statistics alone made it unlikely we'd ever be a victim of a violent crime. Those percentages seemed to increase by 100% just by driving our car over the St. John's River and by another 50% on top of that if we had to attend a school program at night. So my fascination with the crime report was a topic that I routinely would debrief with Bert on how he saw it from his perspective as a Jack City police officer and resident of Jacksonville as well. The first time I asked him his professional opinion about how bad it was, I was shocked by his answer. The conversation went something like this. Hey, Bert, I would start. Looks bad with all that extra gang activity in Jack's. Does that worry the police department at all? Are they going to need more resources to curb the crime? And then Bert, with that classic stoic policeman countenance, said curtly, I'm never worried about the criminals in front of me. I only worry about the people in the department that are supposed to support me, stabbing me in the back instead. As I got to know Bert over the years, I realized that the police, just like every organization in the world, had the people that just wanted to do their jobs and the people that got their jobs by politicking, cheating, and even stabbing others in the back. This is exactly what James was talking about with the prophets of old. Ironically enough, they didn't need to worry about the false priests of Baal or Asherah and Moloch, Adramelech or Anamelech and Sepharvaim, who were all telling their parishioners they had to sacrifice their babies to honor their God. Not good people. But God had that all covered, protecting his people that loved him as their one true God. Rather, they had to worry about the people of God stabbing them right in the back. Now, you wouldn't think they would have to be reminded of that because they all knew too well they stabbed Jesus in the back as well. When Jesus was betrayed, it was by one of his own 12 disciples that lived with them day and night for three years. When Jesus was carried off to be scourged, the very people that cheered for him the previous week stabbed him in the back by denying they ever knew him. Every time we deny our Lord by avoiding worship with him, by lack of devotion to his words, by sinning again and again and again, we stab him in the back again and again and again. This season of Advent reminds us of the hope we really have in him. Because we sinned against him and one another, he comes to us again and again and again to forgive us, to love us, and to take us to him. Loving us because we are sinners that can't redeem ourselves from our sinful condition. So Jesus, in his great mercy and compassion, died on the cross to redeem us and save us from death, the world, and even the devil himself. 
The advent of our God, Jesus, is indeed compassionate and merciful. So let us go to him and love him without end. Amen. Now may that peace suppresses all that understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.